coupe. Sit still, will you? I struggle to drag my arm away from his lips, and he won't let me. For God's sake, Boyo, have you gone loony in the night? Where are my clothes? Why? He's not getting out. I swear, the boy who doesn't like me to take the name of his lord in vain applies the pad of his thumb to the center of my lips. I open my mouth and bite him. Ouch. It's Silvo. It's got to be Silvo. So what? So what? My husband's at the door and you have to ask? He's not at the door, Teresa. He's sitting in the car, smoking a cigarette, probably lit. But he's going to come out eventually. Maybe, the boy shrugs. No need to rush him, though. There is little purpose to stirring up the boy when he won't be stirred. His cold nerves kept him alive in France, and I guess they'll keep him alive now. It's Sylvester I'm worried about now. I sink back into the pillows. The boy follows me. You have to hide in the cupboard when he makes up his mind, I tell him. I'm not hiding in any cupboard. Yes, you are. I don't want a scene, boyo. The boy finishes the cigarette at his leisure, exhaling the smoke directly from his mouth into mine, and crushes out the stub in the sardine tin on the floor next to the bed. The boy is awfully clever at improvising ashtrays from the raw materials at hand. He knows exactly where the target lies, and his gaze remains on my face throughout this little operation. I think that's one of the little tricks that drew me in all those months ago. His concentration. His refusal to be hurried. There's only one reason your husband's here, he says, and that's because he knows I'm here. So there's no point hiding in cupboards, even if we had a cupboard, and even if I were inclined to hide, which I'm not. Why do you want to make things difficult for me? Why do you make things hard for me? He takes a piece of my hair between his thumb and forefinger, rubs it once or twice, and curls it tidily behind my ear. I play by your rules, don't I? I do what you want. Most of the time. All right, then. So let me handle this one. He lowers his head to my neck. I place my two hands on his shoulders and push, without much result. How can you kiss me at a time like this? Because I'm your boy, aren't I? You're my baby. Kissing you is what I do after a hard day's work. It's what makes me tick. It's who I am. The boy is built like a reed, or maybe a rope. That's it. Coiled neat and tight into a knot you can't break. If he wants to sit here kissing me, I'm not going to stop him. At least not by force. You can't force the boy into anything. You have to uncoil him first. Only his lips are soft. It's who I am, he says. But who are you, boyo? I've been puzzling that for a year and a half, and I could go on forever at this rate. So I think of something. I'm no baby. 
When you're 60, I'll be 82. Well now, here's what I figure. As long as I'm your boy, you're my baby. As long as he's my boy. But then who am I, boyo? What am I doing here puzzling over you? How did I, Mrs. Teresa Marshall of Fifth Avenue, Manhattan, become one half of you and me? I don't think I know the answer. Something is lost. Something has gone missing inside that you and me. And I suspect it's me. He is twenty-two years old, my boy, and therefore a man in the eyes of his almighty Lord God and of the law. He looks like a man, all the more now than when I first saw him. That was...